Welcome to Welcome Heart, Living a Legacy Life podcast. My name is Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com. What better legacy than to open our hearts to God and open our lives and homes to others? Jesus said, love me, love your neighbor. Sounds like a legacy life to me. Thank you for joining me. Hello, I'm so happy today to uh, present to you my dear friend, Lindsay Nolan. I've known Lindsay about, oh, I don't know, four years or so. She's been going to our church a long time. I just, well, I'm just not in her season and I would hear about her. And then she became, uh, then she gave her um, testimony at our Bible study. And I thought, wow, who is that sharp, intelligent, articulate, cute girl who has been suffering because uh, her daughter has has had cancer at that time. So she was telling a celebratory story and um, and then there was the relapse. So now uh, Lindsay and I have been co-leading a Zoom Bible study on Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m., which has been a stretch for both of us, especially for me. And so uh, Lindsay, if you could just uh, give us a description of your family, maybe um, a little background, family background, then Claire's story, and then the mother's story, that's your story. And then we'll get into the legacy question. So welcome so much to Welcome Heart, Living the Legacy Life. Thank you for having me. Sure. Very familiar with being with you on Zoom once a week. What a blessing <laughs> that is. There has been more than one time that I have been in the shower like three minutes beforehand and had yeah. to race with wet hair towards right. you. So but nice I, I just wear a robe. I wear a robe. So today I'm not wearing a robe. So <laughs> you look. Um, yeah, um, a little bit about me. Been married for 20 years, going on 20 years um, to a wonderful man who grew up at Grace Church. Um, so have been married into the family of Grace. So we have three wonderful children, two in middle school, and then our youngest is in fourth grade. She's 10. Um, we have spent a lot of years and married years uh, traveling all over the country, following my husband's career um, and subsequently mine, um, landed in San Luis Obispo six years ago and just so grateful to be back home to our forever town that we love so much. Tell me a little bit about um, your ministry in, was it Houston? Yeah, before you, was that the most recent stop before San Luis again? It was. Okay. It was yeah. What did you, what did, how did God use your gifts there? Yeah, I had three itty bitties. They were all preschoolers at the time. And we were in this wonderful church, um, had a lot of Baptist roots, as many churches do in Houston. And um, and I was in that season where I just really, really needed fellowship, was new to the area, was homebound with these three little kiddos and in desperate need for fellowship. And I uh, had attended the MOPS group um, in other places and thought, we need a MOPS group in our church. So it took a couple years of um, building teams, um, getting women rallied around this idea and then bringing it to the executive board at our church before they approved it. Um, so it was a lot of building um, and selling the idea. And then mm -hmm. God just blessed it tenfold. And it was, just, it was amazing. Um, we had over a hundred women at one time um, attending the MOPS group. And it was just so beautiful to see mm -hmm. these women using their gifts, these kids get growing in fellowship together as preschoolers and just growing. And it was one of the first um, in that area to have a MOPS group. What did you learn about God during that building process? Mm, I learned that God can use you in every stage and season of your life. Mm. When I thought I had not a moment to spare as I was nursing one and potty training another and 
racing after a third one, I thought I have no extra time for, for anything else. And, um, God used that used my in, um, inadequacies, my perceived inadequacies, what I thought was I have these babies that I have no time for anything. God used that specifically for his good to be Mm. able to build a mops group. Mm, That's really good. That that's worth the price of admission right there, but we've got lots (laughs) more to share. So Lindsay, tell us um, about uh, Claire's first part of her journey. And then the second part. Yeah, uh, uh, our youngest daughter is Claire. Uh, at age six, back in 2018, uh, she was diagnosed with stage four anaplastic large cell lymphoma. It completely consumed uh, her midbrain and was systemic throughout her body. Uh, to say that it was a shock is a understatement. Uh, she had been sick for some time, but never suspected cancer. Uh, We immediately started treatment at Stanford Children's Hospital um, and then underwent six very intense rounds of chemotherapy. And she was that typical cancer kiddo with no hair in and out of the hospital, neutropenic, homebound, out of kindergarten for the last half of kindergarten. And yeah, that was- What's what's neutropenic? Neutropenic is when your uh, levels in your blood drop really low where any small infection, like a tiny little cold, um, can put you into the hospital. So neutropenic is, um, you have to be extra cautious. So before masks were a thing, she would wear a mask everywhere and we couldn't, we didn't really bring her to inside spaces because. And how old was she at the time? She was six. And how did you discover it or the doctors discover it? Um, we, a wonderful dermatologist in town biopsied one of her lesions. Wow. And it, and she actually, she's known this doctor throughout Stanford because Claire's one of the very few that was diagnosed by a dermatologist. Wow. But we also had a great pediatrician that held our hand through all of it. Here, blood, here in town? Here in Slow, yeah. Yeah, her blood work always came back perfect and um, her, her symptoms were coming and going. Uh, so it was kind of hard to pinpoint. Cancer just is, it's hard to diagnose. It really is. How did you balance taking care of your two older kids this mm. first round? That was the hardest, honestly, being, because <clears throat> my mama heart, I, mm-hmm. I missed out on soccer games and, you know, all, all, everything that was going on in, in their lives. I wasn't there every morning to wake them up and make their breakfast. And I just missed out. It was really, really challenging. It was a huge burden on my husband as well to keep life going and, and maintain his job and um, kind of keep the train going down the road. It was very challenging. Was that because you were living at Stanford? We were, yes, we were. We would come home in between treatments for a couple of days, but it honestly was really hard to drive that far. She was so ill and we had a wonderful family who had a home that allowed us to stay in their home. Um, oh, so towards how, the end, we stayed there. And for those who aren't in California, how far is the drive to Stanford from here? It's three hours. Okay. Door to door, three hours. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we ended up putting Nest cameras inside our home so that Claire and I could log on and see just what was going on. And we felt like we were a part of everyday life. Mm. We'd have to warn people when they come over. We have Nest cameras in the house. We're not (laughs) recording you. We just needed to feel desperately connected to each other just in the normal humdrum of life. That's something I never would have thought of if you hadn't brought that up, Mm. that you just don't feel a part of the normal, you know, everyday comings and going laundry on the couch did you put your dishes in the dishwasher what time are you getting up and when how late were you up doing your homework or whatever yep Yep. so difficult and um maybe it's too early to tell but how 
How did uh, your older two kids respond or react to Claire's first round? Hmm. They were young at the time. So they were 10 and 12 at the time. Um, They really just reacted to how we reacted. They were so impressionable. And, um, And so when we had this positive perspective on her journey, that it wasn't, we never really called it a battle. We called it a journey because we weren't sure if she was going to survive or not. Um, They reacted to that and responded and thought, okay, well, we're on a journey, a family journey together and using terms that were positive and um, in like kind of a new light affected how they responded to it. I mean, certainly Mm. there were challenges. They definitely were jealous that Catherine Claire was getting all the attention at times. They um, were really scared and really sad at times, but because Dan and I were this united front on this is a a journey that our family is going through, they, they rallied into that. And, um, and they, they really enjoyed actually being in the hospital and seeing it firsthand those couple Mm -hmm. of times that they were allowed in. So, so, um, when you first spoke at Grace about your story, I think you mentioned that you were able to get some supportive women uh, right away who helped you. Can you describe that experience or what happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wonderful women who have been on this journey of uh, healing for their own children who were sick in the area. Um, they instantly showed up and called and, and supported us in ways I didn't even know we needed to be supported. Like what? Um, like saying, this is, you need to find a social worker as soon as you show up. Here are food, here's food on your doorstep. I know you didn't ask for it. Like Costco groceries, just boxed stuff. Um, here is, uh, my cell phone number call day or night. If you need anything, just this non-judgmental, we are here for you. We love you. We love you unconditionally. Um, and that was a, a, a level of support I had never experienced or received before. It was just, it was so Jesus-like. It was, I'm meeting you in your mess, in your fear, and, and, and I will support you in all of these emotions that you're experiencing. None of it is off limits. And you're here and loved, mm-hmm. um, your whole family. And mm-hmm. we will support and fill in the gap in any needs that you have. And if you don't know them, we're just going to guess and, and provide. <laughs> that makes me cry. Um, what did you learn about God in that first round? Hmm. Um, that he is so present in times of need. Mm-hmm. Never experienced that level of acuteness of God. And when, awesome. when she, um, well, I guess when I first heard you, she was in remission. Did you know at the time that it was a possibility the cancer would come back? No. No, I was in this fairy tale. No, my husband and I talk about it all the time. I, I actually really love that it was just this ignorant bliss of she's cancer free and she always will be. Wow. <laughs> because we had fought so hard that it just wasn't wasn't a possibility. Um, but she did relapse then uh, 16 months after being cancer free. Okay. I remember the day you called me, I was in the um, CVS parking lot. And turned off the car and because you and I were going to go do a, a retreat together. And you, you were also director of women's ministry at the time. So you called me and said, I'm not doing the retreat. I'm going to tell them that you can do the whole thing. <laughs> I said, what is going on? And we all were in shock and you immediately quit your job. 
I remember one thing about uh, you sharing both times is that taking care of Claire was became like a business spreadsheet um, full-time job for you. Uh, explain that. And, you know, not everybody has your business ac ac acumen. Is that the word? Smarts. And I'm not sure I would do that. I would just call someone else like you and say, would you please keep track of all my daughter's markers and all that sort of thing. But you were, you really got into that. Do you think that helped you survive having to take care of all these details? Absolutely. It was, it was a, I hope a healthy coping mechanism. It was something I could control, something there I could go. document. And so I wanted to be able to have control over something. So if it wasn't that I would have found something else, right? We all have that. Um, as my hope is that even though I coped in that way and it helped me and I hope it helped Claire, um, I hope I still completely relied on God and knew that he was the one that was providing everything and I didn't mm -hmm. need to keep all those numbers straight. Although it helped me emotionally <laughs> be able to do that. When um, she relapsed, how old was she? Uh, she was eight. I remember you um, filmed her with her bald head twirling or something and you sent it into Ellen's show, but you never heard back. <laughs> I didn't because <laughs> her hair looked exactly like Ellen had yeah. grown up to that stage. Yeah. It was so cute. <laughs> so cute. So tell, tell us about the second part that you're still in the relapse. Yeah. Yeah. So we are in a relapse phase right now. Same cancer, anaplastic large cell lymphoma. Um, obviously we caught it early. Uh, she wasn't at stage four. She was at stage three when she relapsed. Um, so still quite, quite, progressed, um, but much easier than the stage four diagnosis. Um, since the first uh, regimen of chemo wasn't effective because she relapsed, we had to go with a different uh, treatment path. Um, and it's an experimental treatment path. It is approved in adults, but isn't approved in children yet. Um, and it's called brintuximab. And she gets a dose of that chemo. Just at first, it was once every three weeks. And we're slowly adjusting her treatment pattern now that we are on year into our third year, actually, of treatment. for relapse. And how much longer? We don't know. Mm -hmm. And is it making a difference? Do you know? Yes. Yes. She's had a PET scan and um, there were only traces of cancer left. So of course, of course they want to continue until there's no signs of any cancer um, in any of her scans. Uh, but the thought is that it's just kind of holding back the, back the gate and we're waiting for either another treatment that we know cures this type of cancer to come on board and we use that or um, a miracle, right? And then it goes away. How um, is Claire handling, how does she handle it differently this time as an older child than as a little one? Mm. Well, fortunately, she had an amazing experience um, at her first battle through cancer, cancer her first journey um, at Stanford Children's Hospital. She loved the nurses and loved the doctors. And so um, she actually missed going to the hospital and oh, wow. missed all, like it was such a wonderful experience for her. And I think that's also kind of coping. I don't think she quite remembers some of those hard things. She only remembers the good, mm. uh, which is wonderful. Um, although I kind of beg to differ a little bit. I want her to remember that it is hard. We don't want to, the goal isn't to always have cancer. The goal isn't always to live in the hospital. The goal is, you know, what is, what is God's purpose for your life? Um, hopefully it's in a healthy state, but her purpose right now is in a non-healthy state. Um, but all that to say, going back to Stanford uh, and going through another round of treatment, she loves it. She was like, okay, let's go. I do have a, a picture of her when I first told her that she relapsed and she was quite sad. She definitely cried and it took a long time for her to process. But 
um, she really enjoys the time together up at Stanford. And I remember that was right before COVID. And so all your kids had to stay home actually even before the shutdown, because if they brought their friends germs in the house, then it wouldn't be good for the youngest. So that was quite a stretch, I think, for your family and hard on everybody. Yes, my kids will not let me forget that I pulled them like four days before everybody up, before the school shut down. I was like, I see the writing on the wall. This is just going to be for a little bit is what I thought, of course. Yes. You'll be working the first ones out. And they're like, but I didn't get to say goodbye. And I was like, well, you're not alone. Yeah, so tough. Yeah. Um, and also she didn't lose her hair the second time, but did, wasn't she beginning to lose her eyebrows or something? And you were, yeah, I thought. So she, yeah, well, she felt worse because she was more aware of her appearance. You know, when the older we get, and then there's that middle, thankfully she wasn't in eighth grade, but right. um, I remember thinking, oh, she's mature enough to where it bothers her. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And so now she, at first she wanted to lose her hair again. And, um, and now at age 10, she's like, no, we're keeping this hair. But I definitely was staring at her eyebrows for a long time. I would take pictures and send them to friends and say, is she losing her hair? I can't tell. Her eyebrows are fine. Now, how was she able to keep doing ballet? She has enough strength physically to do that. She does. Yeah, she does. Um, she, I mean, the, the way the chemo works is she, there's cycles, right? When it's, it's a targeted therapy, so it targets the cancer. So there's a couple of days post-treatment where she really does feel crummy, but we schedule it so that she doesn't miss any ballet. And then by the time she's recovered, she's back at it. She's also just very stubborn and determined, which is a good, good attribute, some good attributes in her. So she loves ballet so much that she will really just fight to get through a class. And her instructors know, okay, Claire's struggling today. We're just gonna give her a little bit of an easier curriculum, but she loves it. It's her life. She loves being there. So she wouldn't miss it for anything. Do you um, sense a deep relationship that she has a deep relationship with Jesus or I not? I do. Yeah. She hasn't had a you know profession of faith or um, I haven't, she hasn't experienced that, but being raised in a Christian home, Jesus is in her world all the time. So I do, I think she's experienced him on an amazing level. At some of her lowest points, I think you mentioned that she was ready to go to heaven or you had those yeah. heaven, heaven talks. Yes, a ton. I mean, it's very natural and normal in the hospital. There are, there were days when we knew that children had passed away and it is just commonplace on the floor of a children's hospital. We see it in the nurse's eyes. The doctors come in and we can tell. We see parents walk by um, and we know that that child that was next door is not leaving. The parents just left. Um, and we can't hide that, that it's just very normal. And so living in that, it kind of normalizes it a bit. So it was a, actually mm. really, it was easier to have that heaven talk with her because she was seeing it all around her. And mm -hmm. so we, it was a nice, easy segue to say, okay, well, let's talk about that. What does mm. that look like? Should Jesus be ready for you to go home? What, mm. you know, let's talk about that. We had this great heaven book by, um, I'll get it to you. I don't remember um, who, and she just loved that. So we talked about, you know, eating ice cream and hanging out with grandpa and riding elephants and all sorts of really neat, neat things. Wow. A, child, a children's book on heaven. Is that what mm -hmm. you mentioned? Yeah, yeah. We can put that in show notes later. Um, what um, advice would you give to another, uh, well, well, to other people who know someone in your position 
if you, uh, if these people know someone like you, Lindsay, whose child is suffering with a disease where they may not come out of, what, what counsel would you give them uh, the best way to support someone in that situation? The mother in particular, since this is a Mother's Day broadcast. Yeah, uh, I think the best way I experienced that amazing love and support um, was by women who just showed up not showed up with any preconceived idea of what they would get out of the interaction with me, but just showed up with an anticipated need, right? So they would show up and there would just be flowers on the doorstep. No, no knock at the door. We need to visit and socialize because I might not have been in the right state or, um, or at the front door were like Ziploc bags and Cheerios and, you know, who knows socks for, for my son and just anticipating, Hey, I was at target. I grabbed this because my son needed it. And I thought you might need it too. Um, so really it's just showing up, um, and giving whatever you have at that time to mm. just anticipating those needs, even if they're wrong. Right. Yeah. There's times where I was like, I'm not going to eat this soup, but my husband yeah. did. And that was yeah. great. Right. Yeah. I didn't know he needed the socks, but yeah. You can always use more socks. All right. I think I made you something that I thought later, oh, they probably didn't eat it. Oh, well, it could be used. <laughs> the dog probably ate it. You, have, you had a great dog. Um, and I remember too, uh, you, between the two times when she was in remission, you began speaking for Stanford Children's Hospital Women's, what's that's called, a guild? Yeah, yeah, they had a foundation. Were you able to talk about God at those events? I was not, but I was able to elude. Okay. But Claire was able to talk about Jesus because nobody took the mic from her. So we would talk a ton about what she was going to say on our drive up. Um, and she would say, well, I'm just going to tell them about Jesus. And I was like, great, you do that. And so there were <laughs> so many times that she would say, well, Jesus was holding my hand through this. Or um, do you know that Jesus is merciful? She used to say that all the time. And wow. I, she had the mic and she would stand on a chair. It was really cute. Um, and there, like ladies would be nodding and it, and then the director would be back there just smiling like we're not going to take the microphone away from her this yeah. is her experience and so uh, I didn't but Claire was able to, to praise she, God for that. oh no kidding has she out of the mouths of babes right literally mm-hmm. has she ever said well God must not be merciful now because I have it again no Mm-mm. no she says this is this is my story this God has for whatever reason allowed this to be part of her story mm-hmm. and so Claire just looks at it right now. It could change when she's a teenager, but right now she says, I'm going to use it for good. Mm. Wow. Uh, She's living through what people just intellectually go through. Mm. Uh, She's living through it physically as well as emotionally. Um, This uh, podcast, you know, is on living a legacy life. What do you see as the legacy that you want to pass down to those who know and love you? Mm. The legacy that I would like passed down um, is the idea of leaning into your struggle. That the struggle, yeah, um, the struggle in your life, whatever that is, um, whatever feels like a struggle um, to you, could be as big as cancer, as you know, small as something, not very big, but it's a struggle for you. And by leaning into it and recognizing what that struggle is, it allows you to rely on God. It allows you to recognize that you're not perfect. You can't control everything. Although those are things that I, in my humanness, I want to, um, 
that that struggle is actually where God shows up and where those jewels and that strength can come from. Um, and it tells the tale of God's goodness, all the ways that he has provided in those times of struggle, um, mm. in those times of pain. And those are stories that I hope to, similar to our Bible study right now, pass down to my children to say, remember what God did in this moment. Even though mm-hmm. it came, cancer came back again, he showed up in this moment. And here's a good example in, in our humanness of God being right here in the story, in this process. Uh, how are you going to make sure that you you remember all these stories? I have no idea. What do you think I should do? <laughs> <laughs> should can I talk write later. Them down? <laughs> Absolutely write them down, but you don't have time today. So I suggest you get that. I'll just tell you what to do because I usually do tell you what to do, but uh, I suggest that you get a fresh notebook. I always like a fresh notebook and that you put uh, dates in it. If it doesn't already have it. And that every time you see God show up, And every time you're discouraged and every time God gives you a verse and every time there's a new wrinkle in the process of her healing or not healing, that you jot it down because you will not remember as smart as you are. So later there'll be, uh, and I don't mean a paragraph. I mean, just a few words because otherwise you're going to go, oh, that's just too much work. Yeah. I'm just not even start, but yeah, I'm not going to even start. Yeah. Do you, want, do you want me to go to home goods right now and get you one? <laughs> Let me know. That is a beautiful legacy to lean into the struggle, whatever the struggle is right now. So that not just so that you're leaning in and feeling sorry for yourself, because I'm sure you have wept, but you lean into the struggle, feel it. I don't think we're supposed to deny it. Because I think that causes worse problems. It's like welts coming up later because we haven't dealt with what's inside. Mm -hmm. Because it allows us to rely upon God. It allows us, I think it clarifies our seeing ability. Mm -hmm. I don't look for miracles unless I desperately need one. It's true. So I think it clarifies our vision. Mm -hmm. And we sing that old beautiful hymn, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of My Heart. And then then he gives us cancer. Mm -hmm. And And he says, I want you to see me even in the dark side. Um, So how are you doing this right now where you are leaning in and looking for God Hmm. and seeing God, not just looking? Yeah. Uh, When we are at the hospital, uh, Claire and I lean in. We um, try to not cope by watching movies or looking on our screens, we lean into every single person that comes into our room. Oh, how do you do that? Oh, we, well, we, they're, they become like family now. So anytime a new person comes in that we don't know, oftentimes nurses are quiet, right? Or custodians are quiet and they just kind of sneak in and out. Um, and we go, hi, who are you? We haven't met you yet. (laughs) (laughs) And then we chat and we get to know them. But those that we do know, which is almost everybody, we know about their lives. We get it. We know who got engaged and who just had a baby and who's planning a trip. And we ask about all of those and it feels like a family. And then when Claire has hard days or hard treatments, they can tell. And there's this level of empathy. Not they're, they're amazing humans that they already have that, but because we have this relationship with them mm-hmm. and they know our faith because we talk about it very openly, they, they just show up with these beautiful hands to serve us and know mm-hmm. us well um, because they see us through all of those journeys. I mean, we have become family. Mm-hmm. Well, that leads into the, the question, how do you show God's welcoming heart to your world? Well, your world has been Stanford Children's Hospital uh, a lot. I remember seeing pictures of you taking these 
gorgeous donuts or something that you were taking up to the nurses. Was that for a, a particular celebration or you just like to do that? Um, I think we did it at Christmas okay. time. Yeah, we had custom donuts made and custom cookies and we like any time we're up around a holiday. In fact, oh. the next time we'll be up around Easter, um, right after Easter. So we'll probably bring something Eastery for okay. all of them. And also you've brought presents to other kids who are suffering. Yes. Like a special snuggle blanket or something that mm -hmm. you know, you know, you know, what's been good for Claire. So you buy it for another child. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier because of COVID things have changed a little bit. When we were on the floor, it was easy to just drop things off outside of everybody's door next to us. And we would make things and, and give them little notes. So they knew who we were. Um, it's a little bit different now because we're just up for a day. Um, oh, but okay. so it's easier to love on the nurses and doctors than the other mm -hmm. patients. Um, what would be your parting wisdom for someone who is struggling in a path such as yours, where your child is suffering and you're not. Mm -hmm. um, what do you say to that mother? <laughs> I would probably say, do not take any moment for granted, right? Just show up every moment, knowing that you're relying on God for his strength. And, um, know that your perception of that experience really does affect your child's perception of their experience. Um, there were times that we certainly had rose-colored glasses through Claire's diagnosis and treatment, but it allowed us to have this positive experience when it was very, very hard. We were able to laugh and cry and dance and sing and mourn all at the same time um, because we had this perception that this was, there was no fighting what she was going through. We just had to release it and make the most beautiful memories that we could through it, not knowing what the outcome would be. Hmm. Wow, this has been powerful. And I praise the Lord for your friendship. And we will continue praying for a miracle for Claire. Mm -hmm. We love you so much. Until Thanks. next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.